I've got to clean house, because you've been taking liberties, laying spread eagle on all my furniture, not leaving me a seat. You're always in the bathroom when I wake up, when I told you there's a certain time by which I need to be ready. You fling my windows wide open in the winter. Don't you think I need heat? Then you get on your high horse when I dare shiver, talking to me about moles. Really? I can't believe the audacity. You feast on all my food. Don't you think I need to eat? Using up all my electricity. Is it a wonder I'm feeling off currently? You waste all my gas. It's always saying zero on the meter. You slam my doors, scrape my floors, wear and tear on the infrastructure. The funny thing is, from the outside looking in, it looks fine. But the inside is a mess I can't begin to describe. That's why I'm cleaning house for the home I deserve. Because confrontation isn't easy, but living in limbo is worse. That was I've Got to Clean House, a poem by Amina Kofi, a 23-year-old poet who you can find on Instagram and YouTube channels at Poems by Amina. That's at Poems by Amina, spelled A-M-E-N-A. She writes to make people feel comforted and gain a sense of empowerment from her work. Her poem, I've Got to Clean House, is about making the decision to get rid of toxic thought patterns that persist in your brain in order to have a more enjoyable life. Even when our current thought processes are hurting us and we decide to make a change, there is still a small part of our brain that tells us that we should leave things the way they were, or that we are wrong for wanting change in the first place. This is Kyoto Lab. I am Shkifta K. Iqbal, a spoken word poet and author of Jam is for Girls, Girls Get Jam, and I am the co-founder of Kyoto. This is our first podcast in a series of six, and we are joined by Aisha Ali, vocal artist, theatre maker, improviser, and my fellow co-founder of Kyoto. Hi, Aisha. Hi, Shkifta. How are you, Aisha? Uh, I'm okay, I think. It's been, it's been a very, very busy time, kind of adapting from what things were like to kind of a new normal. How are you coping with the new normal? You say in air quotations. <laughs> Which no one can see on a podcast. <laughs> I think I'm doing quite well. I realised that lockdown pace, which was super slow, suited me and maybe was my natural frequency. And now gearing back up to the madness of life and all the different things that have picked up again. Um, yeah, it's been quite frantic, but I'm coping with nice and... Carefully selected snacks. Oh, that's a good coping mechanism. I approve. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and you're going to share a piece of writing for theatre with us. Can you give us a little bit of a background um, about this work? Yeah, sure. So in lockdown, I found writing was a really, it was kind of a luxurious escape from everything that was going on even though the writing is kind of about the lockdown. I was just really struck in lockdown about how many different perspectives there were to what was going on and how different people were affected by it 
in really, really different mm -hmm. ways. So I wanted to kind of capture that. And you probably remember that each week was so different yeah. from the last. <laughs> yeah. And there was new revelations and lots of different things were coming up. And I was experiencing a lot. So I just found that really, yeah, therapeutic, I guess, in a way. And I imagined back then, foolishly imagined that, that people might want to watch a theatre show about the pandemic, <laughs> which now I see was really not very intuitive <laughs> right okay yeah I can imagine as most of us are living a lockdown yeah um, but I'm sure you you're still working on it on the piece and for future kind of sharings after pandemic and lockdown life yeah because it actually the whole reason to do it was it's going to be like a, a record of what went on and maybe even if it's not used artistically maybe for me it can capture the time with the kind of life-changing backdrop that we've all experienced and no one will want to watch it now which I know <laughs> from surveying people but maybe in the future when it's all over years down the line it'll be like a little memory of what happened and yes when people sort of reminisce about lockdown life yes yeah. how slow it was and we all did gardening and it was wonderful <laughs> yes for some people yeah and then other people will look back and go well I worked really really hard and did 12 hour days at the at, at the hospital and it was really scary and I don't know yeah that's that what I was struck by the kind of difference of people's experience right and you're going to share it with us now yes so this is a story that one of the characters from postcards from a pandemic tells I'm not really sure where the character's from yet this is a work in progress so if you have any feedback that's really welcome you can email me at kyotobristol at gmail.com. So I'm just going to try it in a voice. I carefully aligned my eye with a glittery green liquid liner and stepped back from the mirror to admire the final effect. My brown eyes, sparkling with anticipation, go nicely with my purple leopard print dungarees that just cover my bare boobs. I take a sip of the can of rum and coke I snuck in with mum shopping at Morrison's earlier and to quote Lizzo, excuse me while I feel myself. I've been wearing hats to cover up the fact that I've shaved the side of my head but right now there's nothing and no one to hide from. My door's locked, mum and dad are asleep in their room on the other side of the house and I'm ready in my space. Away from their copper Zambian shaped clocks, Chitenge fabrics plastic sofa covers and smells of nishizma, onions and paprika. Away from what they may think of the real me. No, my space is all me. Purple, chilled, perfectly lit with mini lanterns and of course Hayley Kiyoko and Audrey Lord on my walls. I put on my headphones and switch on the lamp next to my laptop so my face is lit up, glowing with the warmth of what looks like beautiful rays of the setting sun. I close the window on my screen with the homework that I was half doing earlier and click on the Zoom link to the party. The screen wheel turns as it connects me and before I know it, I'm in, peeking into the little windows of so many queer people. The DJ is snatched. She's got a fringe, half blonde and half black, just like Sia, a small tattoo above her eyebrow and has two nose rings in. She's holding one side of her headphones to her ear while fiddling with her decks and moving to black boxes right on time. Whilst her friend is leaping along to the tune behind her, she has a shaved head and is wearing a white vest and blue jeans and is loving life right now. I wonder if that's her girlfriend. 
they've got the trans pride flag up behind them in all its glory of turquoise, pink and white horizontal stripes and have written queer house party in black sharpie on the white stripe in the middle. So good. I take Black Box's advice when she sings. Gonna get up, gonna get up, gonna get up. Gonna get up, gonna get up, gonna get up. And time won't take my love away. I reluctantly get to my feet, even though I want to keep looking at the windows to other worlds. I want to look like I fit in here and not some weird perv. So I'll just try and dance a bit. I put my arms in the air and move from side to side. The words encourage me for a bit. I am a hot temptation, aren't I? But I feel dumb doing this in front of my computer, so I sit back down for a bit and take another sip of my drink. I click onto gallery view and have another look at who's around. Quite a few people are just dancing away from their screen, so it's hard to make them out. But what I can see is bright colours, bright tops, bright hair, bright walls, bright lights, reds, blues, greens, yellows. People have really gone for it. My eye gets drawn to someone who's pulled down their trousers and have rent and strike on each cheek, which are now having an extreme close-up on the camera. So cool. They're so lit. They must be in London. Who has the cheddar to live there? I'd do anything to be out of this village, though, and, well, out to the world. I know I'm lucky to have my own room and food and everything, but it's just so suffocating to have to hide myself away all the time. A drag queen is lip-syncing to Madonna's Like a Prayer. And when I run my mouse over her square, I see her name's Eileen over. She's got big blonde hair, big lashes and the pouty lips. There's a lag, so she's like a second late for all the words, which is orcs. But she doesn't care. Shantae, you stay anyway. She's drinking a bottle of Corona. <laughs> With her mate and chillaxing. Everyone's loving this song and I'm starting to buzz. So I get up, let myself go, and let my body take over. It knows what to do. body and with these people. Thank you for sharing that work with us, Aisha. Could I ask you a little bit about how did this story come into the world? Yeah, so one of the things that I got a lot out of during lockdown was the queer house parties. They happen every Friday 
and it was a group of queer people in London who lived together. So they were able to like be close to each other and touch each other and dance. But they set up this party vibe uh, whilst also introducing like solidarity to other people, other queer people and to other causes because they're so intersectional. And I had heard stories about people who actually in their everyday lives didn't have any connections because they were in small villages and they were maybe the only person who was queer or didn't know any other queer people. And then through these house parties had actually found a connection for the first time in their lives and were able to find a community for the first time. And I just thought, how nice is that? That actually the pandemic has led to connection rather than disconnection. Mm. I was really, really taken with that idea. Um, and I heard stories of people going on dates, like Zoom dates for the first time. Um, and I love that idea. I just found it so uplifting. And those parties were really great. And my partner has a chronic illness and often can't go. And it just felt like a night out in the living room. It was just so joyous. And I wanted to celebrate that. So it came from that. It definitely came across in the work because I think when you initially shared it with me, I was like, that's a really joyous piece written <laughs> in a time that you wouldn't normally associate with having kind of that freedom, even though it's in this sort of small kind of four walls of a, of a house. And I think from the point of view of a single parent mum, I can relate as well because there's lots of things that were now being shared online. Um, and people who have disabilities who can't get to places are able to connect with the community in a way previous to pandemic they haven't been able to. So I think there's a really kind of positive that you've taken away from this whole situation we have found ourselves in. So I guess my next question was going to be, when we first introduced the work, you talked about this idea of finding escapism in writing about the lockdown. And I wanted to get a little bit more what you meant by that, because when we think of lockdown, we don't think of it as a place to escape to. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of strange uh, paradox. Well, yeah, there was, you know, you are in your house for, for the for lucky people that could work from home or, yeah, didn't have to be out there and were trying to stay safe by staying home. I guess the thing was there was a lot of feelings to process and a lot of information and just kind of you're getting this magnifying glass into society and even though everybody was feeling that need to kind of escape thinking about all the different things, actually putting it into writing was a way for me to kind of formulate thoughts um, and also I was part of a writing group so there were lots of us working on different projects and we were giving each other feedback through Zoom and that was really lovely because they were giving me feedback on what I'd written and I was escaping to their different worlds as well. That totally makes sense and I understand how you kind of dipped into these different narratives and different stories that took you into different spaces just from sat in front of a Zoom camera. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, in a similar way to your character yeah. in, in your short story. So I guess my next question is a question I ask most of the artists and writers that I know in terms of your practice. What is your day-to-day writing or your artistic practice how do you carry that out and was it affected by lockdown um, and how did it change yeah I mean I guess my writing practice has changed throughout my life I go through different phases of different practice the thing that worked for me really well was I don't know if you've read the artist way or done the artist way and most people have and she talks about doing the morning pages so I would always start by doing my morning pages that was like as Julia Cameron describes it the mind dump so once the mind dump was done it was just a really good practice to do it at the same time every day or just whenever I woke up and I realized if I could create that regularity it would really help but during lockdown it was 
I just found that really, really hard. So having the support of the group was the way to do it. And we met at the same time every week. And we had our thousand words that we wrote and we gave each other feedback. And having, yeah, the support of the group is what made it possible for me in that period. And is that group sort of Bristol specific or is it a national group? So the group was set up by my friend and amazing writer, Alison Powell. She calls the group Write Club, which I think is really fun. And it originally started in Bristol. And I think I went to it when it first started a few years ago. Obviously, because of the pandemic, it's on Zoom. So it's become really international. I think I even remember there was a woman at one of the groups who was from Japan. So that was exciting. And she she was Zooming in at 4am her time. Like, that is dedication. And Write Club have lots of different kinds of writing groups. Some of them are ideas generators, like if you're stuck with your writing or you haven't done it in a while, Alison gives you all these really great prompts. And you do free writing where you just keep going and you don't take your pen off the page, even if you can't think of anything. You just write what next, what next. The one that I'm referring to is one of the work in progress courses. And that was six weeks long. I just really love the way she holds the space. It's very boundaried. It's very safe. It's very supportive. Um, One of my favorite things, actually, in terms of boundaries was she has this rule where, like a lot of people, when you've written something and you're a little bit, I don't know, nervous about it or a bit self-conscious, you might start with the caveats and say things like, oh but I wrote it really quickly or I was really tired that day or I was in a bad mood or and she just kind of says no no to any of that just and the rule is if somebody starts with a caveat you say blah 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 the whole group's allowed to say blah 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 like that's the rule (laughs) and I really love that and the feedback's always really great really really structured really really specific really useful so useful and also just being inspired by other people's ideas and I think I was kind of a bit like a cup of water and other people's styles and ideas were infusing me as I wrote something like that. Um, It was just a lovely, lovely space. I guess I should probably also add that I'm primarily a vocal artist and I normally have a daily singing practice which I found very difficult through lockdown because it's such an embodied thing and I tap into emotions and thoughts and it's very deep my relationship with my voice and my body so I just found that really really difficult to tap into and I did it in bits and pieces so the writing was also a saviour because I didn't have that. I'm back to composing now, which is a massive relief. I really, really love making music. Sometimes I just wake up with a song kind of running through my head. And I don't know if other composers have this, but I have to kind of check, did I make that up? Or have I just heard it and just massively plagiarized? Or maybe that's a common thing, or maybe that's just me, but it is quite funny looking up the lyrics of a song to see if I've written it or if I've somehow taken it from someone else. (laughs) You'll be pleased to know that so far they've all been my own doing. (laughs) Thank you so much Aisha and thank you to Amina Kofi and of course thank you for listening. 
Next time, we will have poetry from Sean Clark, the founding member of Urban Word Collective and an established dad. And I'll also be sharing some of my own writing. And this time, I shall be asking me some questions. So until then, goodbye.